We're recording an episode that's about current events, but then because of our editing schedule, it doesn't make it out until like two or three days later. By that point, like half the stuff that we talked about, especially if it's in Trump world, doesn't count anymore. Yeah, it's it's the perfect time to do a show about the biggest news stories of the year when like news that happened three days ago is irrelevant. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Even shows that have a, a really fast turnaround, say like the NPR Politics Podcast or whatever that like Crooked Media Universe is, they edit all those and get them out as soon as possible. But by the time anyone listens to them, they're also super out of date. Time is dilated in 2018. It's like, you know that it's a problem, but yet you can't do anything about it. Where you're like, well, what are you going to do? Just be like, I know everyone's talking about the stock market, but like what I'm really talking about is like the Khashoggi murder or whatever. <laughs> right, it's yeah. still like Trump totally broke. Uh, he broke the news cycle for sure. Yeah. So it's been a it's been a compressed year. It's kind of hard to even decide what to do for an episode. It's just, yeah, it's one of those things where you look back on the year and you just go like, it's a bunch of crazy stuff out there. Yeah. Like, more than usual, but <laughs> is that a lesson that, in the past, it was sort of the same? You'd listen to your, your news reports and hear about something that's that's going down in some foreign place or some, some problem that some city in America is having or something. They were coming slower, but just because they were coming slower didn't mean people were necessarily thinking about them much longer. So maybe it's better. We're in, like, posting world now. Your instant take on the news, and then we move on to the next thing. Yeah. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? It is kind of crazy, though, because I just went to uh, our politics and just sorted by top upvoted for the past year. Yeah. And there is just a scary amount of them that are within, like, the last several weeks (laughs) that are just, like some of the biggest news stories like of the year it does feel like uh 2018 whoever the writers are decided to actually write us kind of something approaching like a climax episode <laughs> yeah you know? yeah this season two finale has just been nuts i don't know how they're gonna top it next season they're bringing in some new uh, villains uh <laughs> getting that nancy pelosi in there again some returning uh you know guest characters oh yeah bring bring it back old fan favorites gotta keep those ratings up <laughs> doing a reboot of the democratic party <laughs> it's from texas now the special year-end edition of Liquid Flannel. I'm here, as always, hosting this podcast and introducing it, (laughs) as we do every episode. Brendan Williams, here with the biggest news of 2018. The news is fucked. Matt, over to you. That is, yeah, that is pretty much the the news of 2018. The news is fucked. Um, lots, Lots of things are fucked, but... Oh, that was good. That was a good, uh, good lead-in. As as your lead-ins always are. <laughs> yeah, every week. <laughs> I mean, we could do. I feel like a lot of other podcasts are going to do like the best and the worst of 2018. We could try to do that, but we didn't really prepare for it. 
It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> well, let's do. Let's start it off by just uh, you know talking about something that's hopefully not super depressing. You know, how was your holiday? Was it was it good? No, yeah, the holiday was nice. Yeah, um, like we talked about uh, when Megan was last with us, uh, most of my family had to work on Christmas Day, uh, but we had a very nice Christmas Eve together. Uh, played played a board game, um, ate a bunch of really good cheeses. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw that cheese cheeses. platter. Wait, didn't you make like a an apple pie that was full of like onions and leeks or something? Yeah, that was a that was that was for Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that was my, my my Chaucer apple pie, which was delicious, and nobody ate it, uh, <laughs> including me. I, I can't even be bitter about it. It's just uh, that's that is definitely a recipe from another age. <laughs> Yeah. Era. <laughs> uh, get my get my holidays mixed up. But yeah, no, I mean I had a I had a normal one for sure. Uh doing the doing the triple grandma tour. Oh, you guys were super cute in your matching PJs though. Oh, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. We uh ordered these or my wife ordered these like matching uh Christmas pajamas and then I was uh surprised and delighted to see that <laughs> NBA superstar LeBron James also ordered the exact same his, pajamas. His entire family in exactly the same pajamas you guys were wearing, except they were sitting in, in front of, like, some kind of gilded sculpture in his front yard. Yeah, I think that's like he gets another golden crown every time he, like, wins an NBA or something. I don't know. It's like a, just a pile of golden crowns that I guess he just keeps in his backyard. <laughs> Oh, uh, you guys are super cute. But it though. was it was pretty funny to see that like the footy pajamas only like come up to like his knee. <laughs> right. Like yeah, he, he definitely to, didn't make his size. Yeah, he had to he had to bust the toes out of the footy pajamas just so he could put them on. <laughs> yeah. He bought like a three XL and it just ended up looking like one of those like sumo suits that you like inflatable uh you know, things that you wear at the carnival. That was fun. Uh LeBron James uh stealing my fashion again. I think you guys wore it better. Yeah, I mean, it went all the way down to my feet because I'm the right height. So <laughs> that's an instant win right there. Cool. And then uh, my sister's coming in New Year's weekend. So we're going to do kind of a late Christmas thing with uh, with that side of the family. So that's cool. Oh, nice. I like to space it out a little bit, you know. I, I feel like... Sure, bonus Christmas. Between Christmas and New Year's, it's it's just like a lost week. Like, you shouldn't even really try to do anything. Yeah, speaking of, nobody should have to work during that week. No, they um, should just shut it all down. Because, I mean, like, nothing's there, good is happening out there. <laughs> there are some essential services that I understand need to keep running. Uh, those people should be paid super extra three times what they're what they're already making you know but for the most part shut down the restaurant shut down the the stores and stuff let everybody have a holiday yeah i'm hoping for one of those like mega blizzards you know let's just shut it down a little bit yeah that's right in fact we had a huge storm blow through here just last night so we're recording on the 27th just last night this massive like giant wet warm front moved up from the south and it was thunderstorming like all day like thunder in the middle of the day is always super cool um, but it, it went for like 12 hours so i've been kind of curious if that's gonna come up to you guys and you know meet with the jet stream and just turn into like giant oh, blizzards I think we're sending it your way because like we 
this morning on Thursday, it was like 50 degrees when I went to work in the morning. And then it was like 16 degrees right. when I left and everything was just like icy because it's yeah. been like kind of drizzly no, and rainy Someone here, in so. between us is going to get absolutely slammed with some cool winter weather. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, let me quiz you on some of what do you think Reddit's most upvoted politics stories of the year were. Okay, so you gave me you gave me a hint earlier by saying that um, a lot of them are from like just the past month or something. I, like I found it to be a surprising amount of yeah. the, the top stories that were that were fairly recent within the last month or so. But okay, so I'm, I'm gonna guess that one of them was probably Michael Flynn getting sentenced. Uh, uh nope. <laughs> Not there. <laughs> Not okay. even close. Um, Not even in like the top thirty. Wow. Uh okay, so what else has Trump done? Um how about Did, how Flynn, about, did how about, Flynn get uh, sentenced? He didn't even get sentenced though, because they just said like, well never we're gonna wait. Oh yeah, and that's see right. Okay. If you have any more if you have any more interesting uh testimony to give or whatever. Um Mad Dog Mattis uh resigns as Secretary of Defense. Nope. Nothing. <laughs> I'm I'm o for two here. You're, you may be thinking of two substantives of news stories. <laughs> um, so here's here's uh, the current December twenty seventh, the most upvoted politics news story of the year on Reddit. Kim Davis loses her election. The Kentucky marriage license clerk. Oh man, loses yeah. her election to a Democrat who was a gay dude who decided to run after Kim Davis denied <laughs> right, him a yeah. marriage Ra- license. Ran against her, and it turns out that, like, not even her own electorate supports what she was doing. Yeah. <laughs> that is a pretty good story, I mean, I have to say. Yeah. But, you know, is it the most, you know, important news story of the year? <laughs> you know, Probably not. Well, you got to understand how Reddit works. I mean, it's some yeah. combination of newsworthy and hits all of the right emotional notes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, this yeah. is uh, currently uh, sitting at the uh, 100,000 upvotes level, which Holy you don't shit. see that one very often. No, that's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, here's some, here's some of the other ones here. Trump tried to fire Mueller but then decided not to when all of his lawyers threatened to quit their jobs. Right, yeah. And that was, you know, the rare one from, uh, that was from, like, February. Yeah, Uh, I was going to say, hasn't that conversation been going on for, like, two years at this point? It's like, oh, he, oh, all his uh, lawyers threatened to quit if he did that, but then they just quit anyway later, you know, just for whatever, (laughs) just for other reasons. Well, Rudy Giuliani seems to be hanging in there. Yeah, oh, he's still hanging around. He's doing great. He's doing great things. Uh, yeah. Really, really, it's super, super helpful. Um, Actually, gonna. I mean, he's got to be vying for like longest tenure with the Trump administration. It's like him, um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I guess Jared. Yeah, no, that was really funny. They had um, an NPR story that I listened to recently where they were like, with so much turnover in the Trump administration, you know, we thought it'd be fun to look at some of the people who didn't get fired. And it was like, <laughs> guess who didn't get fired? Jared Kushner, the president's yeah. son-in-law. <laughs> you know, amazing. Uh, Ivanka Trump, still there. You know, somehow didn't get fired yet. Uh, but then, the yeah, daughter, uh, the daughter that he crypto wants to fuck, didn't get fired. Okay, <laughs> the only uh, the only other people that were still around from the beginning are. 
Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who was there from the beginning, although she got a promotion when Sean Spicer got fired. Right. And then Kellyanne Conway is still there. Uh, Also still there is Trump's head of social media, that Dan Scavino (laughs) guy, um, who, get this, got the job of being the head of the Trump campaign's social media by being Trump's caddy at one of his shitty golf courses. No, that makes sense. That makes more sense than most of the other shit he does. <laughs> I guess it does. Made him make a play right there. You know, most people don't have the guts to go for that one. Kellyanne Conway, I'm feeling like Obi-Wan Kenobi here. Like, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, she, uh, you know, she's still there. You know, she doesn't get out as much as she used to because, uh, she just, I, you know, she's still there, but I feel like her heart's not in it anymore, you know? Her own well, husband's her, always I mean, trolling her, her on husband, Twitter. Yeah, her husband is constantly, like, attacking her entire job yeah. all the time. So, yeah, I can't imagine that she's terribly satisfied with the work that she's doing right yeah. now. Her television appearances are just her just, like, exasperatedly, like, shrugging and being like, well, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, <laughs> what, what? You gave us facts, and we gave you alternative facts, so, you know, let's just leave it at that. You you know what we learned in 2018, though, is that is exactly the strategy the Trump administration should be taking, because all of the norms, all of these things that, like, the liberal, like, mainstream media takes for granted, like, all of these things have just crumbled away, Um, like, like loamy topsoil in your hand in a strong wind, you know, it's all gone now. So if if the Trump administration sends some representative out on the Sunday morning talk show circuit and they're just like, eh, whatever, like what what are they going to do? <laughs> like, there's there's no response to that, uh, that because that's where everybody is right now. But the media is is particularly poorly positioned to be able to ever like really that's it um because they're so entrenched still um after two years of this (laughs) this wrecking ball of a presidency they're still in this mode of like this is how a president should act so when he doesn't act like that that's the story right well and then all he has to do is just pretend to act like that for like 20 minutes and right. not even do a good job and people just fall all over him. And the perfect example of that is that he went to Iraq. He went to like Iraq, an yeah. hour or whatever after <laughs> being attacked by, you know, people are like, I can't believe like Trump's the only president who, you know, has never, you know, visited active duty troops or whatever in, in his entire campaign now it's going on two years right and so he was like i'll show you i'll do it tomorrow and i'll do it the worst (laughs) ever but it won't matter because he he did it and so people just praise him because he did it he did the thing can you imagine how cranky he was on that plane oh yeah he was chewing everybody out he was just like moping around you know like he'd walk back to the press corps and just talk about what was that tweet he made that was like I'm all alone in the White House. Poor, Poor me. me. Yeah. <laughs> because because I shut down the government when literally nobody else wanted that to to happen and now no one wants wants to talk to me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> apparently uh they've been talking about him doing this for months and he just kept saying like, "Well, I don't really want to go 
because I'll probably get murdered because of it's a war zone. And like, so like, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. Uh, and they were like, okay, first of all, like you, you probably won't get murdered because there's going to be like more security than anything ever. Like think about the dude who's there every freaking day. and doesn't have legions of private security following. Oh, he has no idea. He Those has are no the idea about that. that. I actually need to be concerned about getting murdered. Like you're probably fine, Mr. President. This is this is the guy who said that venereal disease was his own personal <laughs> Vietnam. Right. You know? Yeah, Avo- avoiding venereal disease. It's not as easy <laughs> right. as you might think. Okay. <laughs> avoiding Vietnam turned out to be a lot easier for him. Right. Oh, and then also like that doctor who gave him the bone spurs diagnosis or whatever was oh, yeah. just like just recently came out was just like, yeah, no, that's some bullshit. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm still not convinced that that's not just Brent Spiner. <laughs> the aliens from Independence Day made me do it. Looks exactly like Data in in Independence Day. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was amazing to just see that even though he was only in Iraq for like a couple hours, he did nothing except for like talk about how great he was. He lied about like giving the troops a 10% pay increase, which like he did not do like huh. at all. Uh, he broke like campaign finance laws by like signing yeah, look, military I, I don't, gear or whatever. I don't, I don't know a ton about the military, <laughs> but I do know a bunch of people who are in or have served in the military. And one thing they absolutely keep in their sights all the time is how much money they are making for the right. job that they're doing. God, it has to be so awkward, like, having that meeting with your, uh, you know, your, your military boss or whatever and being like, well, I heard I was getting 10% raise because the president just said, like, 10% raise. But now here I look at my year-end performance <laughs> right. review and it says 2% on yep. it. Like, what gives here? Like, it seems <laughs> like there's a little bit of a discrepancy. I don't know how he thought he would get away with that one. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the, the same way that he knows that he 100% will get away with literally anything he says ever. <laughs> uh, because nobody holds him accountable. Yeah, it's it's working. It's working. <laughs> it's working so well. All right. Yeah. What was the what was the next? Uh, what what was another one of the the highest upvoted? Oh, uh, here we go. So year? number number three, Ivanka uses personal email account. Oh, for, good to lord! Do government business. Number three, baby. Uh, number four, Jeff Sessions fired. Oh man, Which, I that forgot happened. that even happened. Yeah, that was like a month. That was only a month ago right. that, that happened. Um, that what's was he ten up to years now? Is he, is he still in that job until they get a new guy? Or I don't even no, know what the situation no, is I don't, over there. I don't think so. I think he's out, and they've replaced him with whoever his deputy was. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember they said that. Uh, he was like, "Well, I'll just maybe go run for Senate again," and they were like, "Actually, don't, because you'll lose." Because everybody who loves Trump hates you now. Yep. And that's the <laughs> entire state of Kentucky. So, yeah. like, sorry. Or Tennessee or what? Uh, Alabama. Where is he from? I think it is Alabama, maybe. It's it's out of our it's out of our wheelhouse. You know, we're we're a Midwest politics podcast. It's true. That's the South. They have their own problems. Alabama, of course. Yes. They probably have a, a podcast down there, too. We should we should reach out. Oh, Probably. Sessions, Sessions' podcast now that he's unemployed. <laughs> Jeff Sessions, come on Liquid Flannel. Yeah, you got nothing better to do. <laughs> yeah, and then there's like a whole bunch of stories about net neutrality. That was like also huge. Oh, interesting, um, yeah. Which again, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I feel like that's still like an open thing. Like there's no resolution there. It keeps like almost being a thing. Yeah. 
like seven months ago, the Senate passed a bill that was like, yeah, net neutrality's back. And then I guess the House like didn't pass it, so nothing happened. Right. And yeah, I think the oops. I think the, the the way it currently stands is the Obama era, whatever that that little council they have for net neutrality yeah. said we're putting net neutrality into place. And then under Trump, they appointed the giant coffee cup guy who was like, no, that's not a thing anymore. But this is all happening administratively. It's not, um, you know, it's not, it's not by uh, congressional legislation. So, yeah, I, I think we're all just kind of floating. But right then, now. like, didn't the state of California, like, pass net neutrality? Yeah, for, yeah. So, like, stuff within California, and it's all tangled up in the courts and stuff, too. Right, like, yeah. It, so that's, that's the more interesting thing is that, I mean, states are completely free to regulate uh, internet service providers um, uh, under under their own state con- constitutions and probably also under the Commerce Clause. Um, they've got a little bit of authority to, um, like, make sure that they're setting the rules that they want, which is making a, a really awkward position for people like Facebook and Google and any of these other big tech companies who they would prefer things to be uniform just because it's hard to structure their their services per state. Yeah, it almost seems like that the federal government should just have this be a policy and just fix it. But, it is oh well. almost like that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, rough stuff. But yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, there's that. There's uh, there's all kinds of uh, Michael Cohen stuff. Lots of that up on here. Mm-hmm. This is this is one of my favorite headlines. Uh, Federal prosecutors, quote, conclude that the president of the United States committed a felony. <laughs> that's, a, that's a headline. And that was only 20 days ago. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Uh, I don't know. Did you see the did you see that video from the I, I don't remember what organization was, but like one of the big like hashtags still with her uh videos uh, uh, organizations just releases a video of a bunch of their big name like big follower count people singing um it was like deck the halls oh yeah yeah it was like it I, was... I want an impeachment for christmas or some bullshit right like that. <laughs> right yeah 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 it, indictments for you wherever you like you guys like not only does this make you look like tremendous dorks just doing the thing, but it also makes you look like tremendous, useless, possibly hurting the cause dorks by thinking that this was a thing that was going to, like, rally people. It's definitely pretty stupid, but, you know, I find myself kind of going to, like, sometimes you just got to fight, you know, Trump on his own terms. I mean, those are the <laughs> only terms that anyone understands. So, like, you know... Those are the real, you know, those are the real front lines out there in the meme wars, you know. Sometimes you just got to, you know, do a stupid meme just to own the not libs. Oh, it's, it's, I don't know. I can't even do it. If I could be a fly on the wall in any place at this given moment, it would be not to figure out if, like, Trump committed treason or did felonies that it would be... I just want to know if he actually ends up reading any of the replies to any of his tweets. 
I mean, he absolutely has to because sometimes he retweets them and then it turns out that the people that he retweets are like racist assholes. <laughs> yeah, are, are like outspoken white supremacists. Yeah, so like okay. he must occasionally, but oh, yeah, wow. I mean, he has to be such a mess in there that, I mean, who knows? But uh, yeah, do you ever click over to one of his tweets? I mean, the, oh, God, the yeah. replies the are, they're embarrassing on all possible sides. Oh, they're so great. But, I mean, none of them can be as embarrassing as the original tweets themselves. I mean, he literally <laughs> can't even smell the, the word smoking. <laughs> and he did it fucking twice. And I think it's still there. He did. He wasn't even going to go back and fix it. He was just like, yeah, smoking. That's just how you do it. You just, <laughs> that's just how it happens. So, I mean, well, nothing that anyone else does in response to him could ever be as embarrassing as the shit that he puts up there himself. I mean, th- thankfully for him... He has a, a diehard group of supporters in the form of the, the QAnon conspiracy theorists. He he meant to do that. Like, smocking was absolutely a thing that he meant to type. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the joke, like, impeachment Christmas songs will never be even close to as embarrassing as the literal serious <laughs> rantings of QAnon conspiracy theorists. Who, well, and they're they're never going to be as politically relevant or impactful either. That's what I say. Like, I, I can't get mad at it. Like, it is really stupid, but also, you know, I do just love the idea that, you know, some MAGA hat dude, you know, is just like watching a bunch of, like, C-list celebrities <laughs> sing, like, the worst parody Christmas songs about how Trump's gonna be in jail and just getting, like, seethingly mad and being like, see, the liberal Hollywood elites <laughs> are so out of touch with America. Right. Yeah. People like uh, like Scott Dworkin, who literally <laughs> nobody knows unless you're super on Twitter all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, they, they, can, they can spin that into this you know, look at how Hollywood is against uh, the president. But I, I think I also will remember 2018 uh, as the year when Trump tweets stopped mattering. Because, I mean, do you remember back 70 years ago when Trump was first <laughs> elected and every tweet was like breaking news like yeah. they were just like they were just printing the like the front page of the new york times were just like here's the tweets here it sure. is this yep. is the news can you believe the the commander-in-chief said this online yeah. yeah and now he just posts insane shit more insane shit than he ever did before yeah and it just gets crazier and crazier and just nobody even notices or cares <laughs> right other yeah. than just be like did you see that thing? like that was pretty funny yeah yep. that was hilarious oh, I've, oh, I, I mean times. i've noticed it in uh you know like the two slack groups that you and i are in um uh, that like a year ago it was every new weird thing that he tweeted was it, that was something to talk about and now it's like it's just a curiosity you know he he tweets a thing the poor me tweet got it barely any ripples <laughs> it was pretty funny though I, <laughs> I i love that he canceled his vacation so that he could look like he was working but then just tweeted like i'm here for no reason <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> just <laughs> just him 
him wandering around the White House, like down that corridor of blood drenched Christmas trees that Melania oh, put up, went there with their super awkward uh, Christmas Christmas portrait or whatever. <laughs> They're just like awkwardly like grimacing, like arr, arr, standing here. <laughs> well, I think there's a ton more to talk about in in 2018, but we should take a break, eh? No. Okay. All right. We'll keep going. <laughs> can't tell you when the government's going to be open. I can tell you it's not going to be open until we have a wall, a fence, whatever they'd like to call it. I'll call it whatever they want. But it's all the same thing. It's a barrier from people pouring into our company, into our country from drugs. Yesterday, I gave out 115 miles worth of wall, 115 miles in Texas. So we're looking at between 500 and 550. So we gave out 115 yesterday. Me, I'd, I'd rather not be doing shutdowns. I've been at the White House, and I love the White House, but my family's in Florida, Palm Beach. But it's going to all work out. The only one that doesn't want the wall are the Democrats, because they don't mind open borders. Yeah, 2018 has some very strange ups and downs. Yeah, so Gallup, uh, the polling organization, does an annual poll towards the end of the year, the most admired people uh and i actually so i have it pulled up here this is actually how they ask the question right so they're like hey what's up Gallup? doing a survey just got a couple questions for you question number one what man underlined for emphasis have you heard about living today in any part of the world <laughs> do you admire most huh. and who, who is your second choice <laughs> What would you say if you got this poll? It's Elon Musk, obviously. Oh, well, he came in uh, eight, eight-way tie. Oh, there my God. There was an God. eight-way tie uh, between Elon Musk, Mike Pence, the Dalai Lama. What the fuck? And Joe Biden. That's the, the four-way tie for eighth. Dude, what what did Joe Biden even do this year? Okay, you, I, I suppose you know, he's you could, been, you know, speechifying in, out there fairness, saying that he's going to run for president. In fairness, you could Talking probably... Talking about, like, these millennials need to shut the fuck up about their problems. Yeah, in fairness, you could probably ask the same question about the Dalai Lama, except you know what his job is, which is just to be a spiritual leader. Uh, not necessarily I like how they just, they, they just name him by title right like i guess like he gives up his name when he becomes the dalai lama i think or whatever, that's right but, yeah um yeah because you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of weird that like, yeah, whoever thing. that guy is like the pope you know he's probably cool I don't, <laughs> right. what's his name i forget I don't. no i think i think it is different with the dalai lama i think that it's a uh, not just a hereditary title like the pope but you you become the incarnation of that person the dalai lama so you you give up all of your all of your old trappings of, of personality. But yeah, like the Pope, uh, there are different Popes. That's why they name them. It makes me super sad because it's it's such a pathetic list. So coming in at number seven, Bill Clinton, followed up by Bernie Sanders. Number five, Bill Gates. <laughs> number four, the Pope. Number three, George W. Bush. Really? Wh- what? He was off the list for a while. Uh, but now he's climbing back up, back in the news. Well, he did, you know. He, I mean, I guess the thing is, he lost his mom and his dad this year. Yeah, you know, he's been in the news, and he's been, he's been, he's been giving candy out. Yeah, he's been sharing candy yeah. with 
spoilers, most popular woman in the world, Michelle Obama. Yeah, at, uh, at, at, at this point, George W. Bush is basically a Shriner, like a town parade or something. Like, everybody likes him because he gives candy out and he smiles. Right. But it's like, you know, basically this question is like, name like a important seeming person who's like is on TV all the time. Like they should, they might have well just asked this. Like it, it's really such a strange question, but yeah. So then George W. Bush and then number two is Trump. And then number one is Obama. Trump slipping a little bit. He used to be a little bit higher. What do you mean they, a little bit it? higher? I mean, so he's, they do he's in by, number two. No, they do it by percentages. So that's the rank, but it's by percentages, right? So they ask it as a very, in a very open-ended way. They're just like, hey, name a living person that you admire. Yeah. Uh, who is a dude. 19% of people said, I guess Obama. 13% <laughs> of people said Trump. And then it goes all the way down to 2% of people said George W. Bush and the Pope. And then everyone else is like 1% or less. So like these numbers are pathetic. Do you know who the number one response is? No one. That got 26%. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much how the uh, 2016 election went for the Democrats. <laughs> no, they all suck. I hate everybody. everybody. Everybody sucks. I will vote down ticket, but I'm not voting for president. 10% of people just, like, named, like, someone that they knew personally, where they're like, oh, my neighbor, Jim, he's a great guy. I like that. No, actually, uh, there, there should be liquid flannel should run a write-in uh, campaign for next year. Um, try try to crack like the the top four or something. But yeah, I mean this whole this whole list is just super sad. So here are some of the other people who are kind of like towards the top of the list: Jimmy Carter, which I actually think he deserves to be so much higher because unlike George W. Bush, who was a fucking terrible president uh, and just did all kinds of wars and just murdered hundreds of thousands of people, Jimmy Carter did you know tried not to do that. And now he just builds houses. Well, also, I mean, the main reason everybody hates Jimmy Carter is because he gave that speech about how, uh, like, things were looking down for America and we needed to change a bunch of stuff. And boo, and was, yeah, boo, boo that, you know. What an and Reagan came along and was like, no, it's it's a what is it, morning in America or whatever. Um, and and now everybody hates Jimmy Carter and thinks that he was a useless president when. Really, it was like he was right. I mean, if we had started addressing things like climate change or the housing crisis or uh, or income inequality or racism in this country, like back when he was president, we'd probably be in a better state than we are right now. You know, what if we just listened to like George W. Bush's plan to like privatize Medicare or whatever? Right. You know, hey, yep. you just think of how great it would be. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's right. all it's hindsight's twenty twenty. That's all yeah, I'm saying. That's it's it's kind of weird that the, the Republicans haven't reintroduced uh privatization of Social Security bill. Uh because that was that was a huge thing during the Bush the Bush two administration was well, everybody everybody hates it that's why they didn't do it is right. because everybody's like no don't don't do that please yeah, like that would be a terrible do, idea they do lots of shit that everybody hates that's true well they do you know back in george w bush's day you know they did it but they made people like it first and then they did it you know <laughs> right <laughs> uh, and nowadays, you know, they don't even care. They don't even look at the freaking numbers or whatever. Yeah, but they, they, do the, they, uh, do. they, they did the the extreme tax cuts. Did that happen this year or was that last year? No, that was – that. I th well, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe it was last year? I think it was last year actually. 
Uh, but this is like the first year that it goes into effect, and oh, it turns out like it, it wasn't actually that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Unless you're unless you're a millionaire, billionaire guy, then you're sure. like, yeah, hell yeah, makes it a big difference yeah, to you. Right. Everyone else is like, I guess I, I guess you kind of notice a little bit if you really directly compare, but you're not really feeling it that much. Well, and you you still have your plus. People got those thousand dollar bonuses. Sure. So yes, you know the... that's still paying off for you. Still, <laughs> you still you invested that thousand dollars and tripled it now, right? Yeah, oh. it, it, exactly. Fifteen hundred people got a one thousand dollar bonus, and a whole bunch of other people got their wages slashed. But you have your finger on the pulse still of the the financial markets. I mean, um, what was it? yesterday? I think was the like the biggest rally in the Dow's history. It was a thousand points up or something like that. Well, but. and I mean, you have you know just as much financial crisis experience as me. One day, the market's like, oh, it's the worst day ever. Like, on Christmas Eve, it was, like, down, like, 700 points. It was ridiculous. They were, like, worst Christmas Eve in stock market history. Yeah, the, the worst December since, like, right. 1929 or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> right, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Uh, but then the next day, they're like, oh, hey, it's up a 1,000 points. So, like, whew, that was a close one, everybody. And it's like, that's actually not good. Like, it seems good, <laughs> right. but it's like, it's abnormal, right? And it, it just means that, like, it's it's kind of uh, shaky out there because it's a mess. Because well, yeah. if you look at, like, the most up days ever, they're always in the middle of these crazy events. Like, yeah, in, sure. In it, 2008, it had, like, you know, the top five most up days of all time. Or it's totally predictable because you've got a bunch of people rushing into the market going, like, oh, my God, like, the stock market has hit bottom. Like, this is the cheapest these stocks are ever going to be, so I'm going to buy, which drives the price back up. But then people look at it, and then they go like, oh, man, well, maybe everything's fine. And then they're like, oh, wait, no, we looked no, at it a little bit longer. Yeah, it it's not out, fine. Yeah. yeah it, it turns out we've got, uh, what is it, like $1.5 trillion in student debt outstanding that's uncollectible and completely unsecured, and that's what most of the economy is running on right now. To say nothing of... Any of the other things that have been going on in the housing market, which are exactly what was going on before the 2007 crash, and everybody is basically overextended on, like, payday loans and shit like that. You know, the good news is, since we elected Trump, and he doesn't even know what half of those words mean... Nobody talks about it. So it does it doesn't matter that there's like you know, student debt is like eleven quadrillion dollars and it triples <laughs> right. every thirty seconds or whatever. Like yeah. it doesn't matter because no one knows or talks about it at all. And yeah. so like it doesn't affect the stock market or the quote unquote economy or whatever because no one pays attention to it. I mean it <laughs> you know doesn't I mean? it doesn't affect things until it does, right? I mean it's it's sort of like it's like Bitcoin, right? Uh, like cryptocurrency doesn't have any inherent value except for what people believe that it has, um, which means that it can it, it it climbs. You know, the price of a Bitcoin climbs to fifteen thousand dollars per Bitcoin, but then over the course of twenty eighteen, drops to like what's it at now? Like two thousand dollars or something. Uh, and you've got oh, people. The bitcoins. Yeah, it's probably around there. And, like and people, people have sunk their life savings into Bitcoin because they saw this thing going to the moon, and it turns out like no, you lose a bunch of money because it the thing doesn't actually mean anything unless right. people are like hyping it up. Right. And but you know. but you see that's the secret of capitalism. The concept of finance and money 
in general is that it's all bullshit is that it's all based <laughs> right. on absolutely like nothing it's based on a, a fictional concept of money and value that only exists because people think that it's real and they act as if it's real even though if you take a step back and look at it it's not real at all and it's based on nothing and it's actually ironic because that is what has allowed trump to be so successful in that you know he goes through periods of time where he is worth no money but he's always worth billions of dollars because he's fucking trump right and he just says that he is and people just think that he is because he says it all the time and so then he just keeps going to different banks and the first banks that gave him money and he fucked and lost their money just said like, ah, oh, forget this guy. And then he just moves on down the line and you never run out of banks because they just keep coming up. Yeah. And he just yeah, goes absolutely. to different countries because and it just works. Yeah. Because he still has that, that personal cachet and you've got exactly the same thing with any of his particular policy promises. Like, I mean, I guess in the last month we've seen a lot of movement, I guess, on the idea of the border wall. And by movement, I mean it's been back in the news a lot because the government is currently shut down. Right. Um, because <laughs> because the like incoming Democrats won't fund the border wall. You know, so the so the government shut down right now. But for Trump, it doesn't matter because. He gets to make these outlandish, unworkable campaign promises. And then when they don't pan out, he just he blames somebody and he moves on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, which he'll probably do again. I mean, it, it seems like. Oh, he's been doing it his entire presidency. Yeah. I mean, but do you think this time who's going to blink first? Like, it's probably going to be Trump, right? Because, or I mean, you never know, though, because the Democrats, you know, they might just be like, whatever, we'll just give you $5 billion for a wall. And it's not it's not like you're going to build the wall with $5 billion anyway. Like, the wall's going to cost like $500 billion right. before it's all done. So if you want $5 billion to do nothing, you know, why not? Like, just let's just get the government back open or whatever. Yeah. I could totally see him doing some bullshit like that. Again, you would think that Trump, of all people you know, would realize that he doesn't actually want to build the wall. That's the worst outcome for him, is that he <laughs> actually builds the wall. But yet, it's like the only thing that he actually seems to want to do, is to build the wall. And he just has no idea, like, does he know how stupid the wall is and no, how he, impossible it, it is? The like, thing is, he doesn't care. He doesn't care how stupid the wall is. He knows that it 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 riles up. His base, the like oinking, you know, like beating their trotters together or possibly just people <laughs> that they pay to to show up at these fucking rallies. Um, he, he knows that, that it gets them his, riled up. Even his own supporters will say shit like, well, you know, the wall's really like a metaphor. Oh, man. Yeah. For did you like see that? immigration crackdown or whatever. Like, we don't actually like need the physical wall. Like, yeah. that's did actually you, not did you see, feasible. Did you see that article about the. It was a Texas woman. Uh, if the wall got built, basically all of her land is going to be on the Mexico side. Oh, absolutely. And all of a sudden she's like, nope. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not into this idea yeah. anymore. Well, people don't realize like there's already tons of places like that. Places by the border where it's like, oh well, you live too. Like we can't build it like 
here like this is like a riverbank or whatever right. like so yeah. like to build a wall we have to build it like a little ways in so like yeah. we're just gonna build it over on this by this road or whatever and it's like oh well your ranch is over there on the riverside like <laughs> sorry like you just you know sorry but you know just the wall what are you gonna do which is where all of these expenses all of the hidden expenses they say like we need five billion dollars you say they need 50 billion i think you're more correct because a bunch of these costs are hidden because you're going to have to do eminent domain on it's what, like 1500 miles or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's absolutely nuts. You know, a lot of it is federal land and stuff like that, but also a lot of it is inaccessible land, mountainous land, desert land. You're going to build a wall right through like, what is it? Red river state. Nah, it's not cliffs and mesas. And, (laughs) Like you know, river canyons and stuff like it's it's pretty nuts out there. Like, you're, yeah, what does you're the gonna, wall even mean at that point? Right, you're going to deal with uh, additional uh, federal, you know, like the the Endangered Species Act, for instance, which means you have to do an entire environmental impact statement on like if you're if you're building a wall in a corridor where fucking cats or some kind of like endangered guppy, <laughs> right like traverses you know that that costs a lot of money it, the whole idea is just the stupidest idea where it's just like these people are going to walk you know 2000 miles from Honduras or whatever to get to the US border and then be like oh well there's a fucking 10 foot wall here like never mind like let's go let's go back <laughs> right. to Honduras kids like they put a wall up there's a freaking wall like what are we going to do it's like 10 feet tall oh no well I'm glad that I'm glad that you brought up Honduras because I saw some amazing take today. It was like none of this would be happening if Hillary Clinton was president. Like we wouldn't be waging war on people in Central America. We wouldn't be like locking people up at the border. It's like you are. Did you just learn what politics are like last year or something? Because absolutely. I mean, Hillary Clinton was the biggest proponent in the State Department of, uh, like, a military coup in Honduras, which has caused all of the problems that sent this uh, this caravan up to America. Well, and it's the thing that is so infuriating about, you know, the Hillary Clinton wing of the, of the party is that, you know, on its face, you know, ideas like, hey, the corrupt leader of Honduras sucks and, like, we should get rid of him, like, maybe isn't the worst idea. But, like, you have to have a follow-through, you know? That's the that's the key. <laughs> and, like, that part's a little bit a little bit tougher. And it requires, like, you know, money and time and investing and saying, like, hey, you know, we're going to go and, like, solve some of these problems that, like, Honduras is having or whatever. I mean, I guess, but even even that is predicated on the idea that we have any right to say, like, we have a say in what's going on in Honduras. Well, we do now because we fucked it up, right? Like, that's the that's the problem, right? Like, if we didn't <laughs> right, already but I'm do saying, that, then before yes, that, absolutely. Like, even be- even before that thing, like, you've got to you, – you have to justify, like, why do we have any right to be fucking around with these other countries? Like, okay, so they're, they're under a despotic regime – and we're going to go free them. That's the that's the line that they feed you through the news. But we don't have any right to do that. It's this really weird imperialist 
perspective where you like back right. justify no, the conclusion. No, and it's like as if you know we were saying things like Trump really sucks a lot. Like God, I sure hope China like invades and like murders him. <laughs> like that right. wouldn't that yeah. be helpful? It's like well, you know, maybe you know, maybe not. Yeah, sure. The the Chinese Secret Service just comes in, like shoves him in the trunk of a car. And installs whatever, you know, like installs Bernie Sanders all <laughs> <Right>. of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Actually, I'm in favor of that. Now I'm in favor of imperialism. I mean, like, look, I'm not saying, you know, that it would be bad. I, I'm not personally advocating <laughs> for it. You know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, <laughs> But, you know, that's not the way. That's not the right way. You know, the Democrats are all about the, the methodology, right? You know, you want to win, but you don't want to <laughs> win in the wrong way. Let's take a break right there. We'll come back and maybe talk about uh, 2018 more. Probably that. That's, it's our it's our year-end episode. Watch as Donald Trump inadvertently stumbles his way into a key realization. So... You take precast plank, it comes 30 feet long, 40 feet long, 50 feet long. There's no ladder going over that. If they ever get up there, they're in trouble. Because there's no way to get down. Maybe a rope. Yeah. Yes. Maybe a rope. Yes. Yes. Your brilliant plan has been undone by mankind's third invention. We've talked about her on the show a couple of times, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and um, though she was elected in 2018, that's not the point that I want to make about this. It's that 2018 has been, if anything, an even more uh, uh, like dire distinction between liberals and progressives on the, you know... Anybody who's left of, say, like Mike Pence. Yeah. Well, side. here here are some uh, here are some people who uh, were ranked lower as in the most admired list than Ocasio Cortez, who appeared yeah. on the list. Okay. Uh, right below Laura Bush, Elizabeth Warren, and Condoleezza Rice. Oh, Lord. And above Sarah Palin, Jennifer Lopez, Ivanka. <laughs> Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Wait, I, I like how J-Lo, I like how J Lo made her way onto that list. Oh yeah, she's doing great things out there. Oh yeah, no, I I have no problems with Jennifer Lopez. Just uh, when everybody else is basically a political entity, and she's a recording artist. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Ocasio Cortez, man, uh, that that I think definitely was a big story this year, and she, uh, it's crazy. I I. I I really almost don't understand, like, why people, like, on the left and the right, they're, uh, they're gaga for her, man. Yeah, it's well, I, I can Media understand darling. why, I can understand why people are gaga for her, because she's a young firebrand who seems to tell it like it is, doesn't seem corrupted by, like, the party machinery, right? Um, but what's amazing to me is... Watching all of these, you know, because we're we're absolutely headed into uh, like the 2020 election cycle already. It just it gets backed up six months every single election cycle. Um, and right now you've got these uh, like liberal, I, I don't know, like near a tandem or like the horse whisperer on Twitter um, who are who are saying like, I 
I agree with her positions, but, you know, we need to be a little bit more, uh, like, considered and careful and uh, bipartisan and compromising in our approaches, or we're going to lose all of these people in, in the middle of America. I got into a weird debate with that guy, the the weird bad horse account last night. <laughs> and at some point he was like, you need to spend more time in uh, like red states. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the problem right there. You just, right. You're such an isolated city. Liberal. Yeah, right. <laughs> definitely, definitely a coastal, you know, like, like left coast or, or whatever. Um, how yeah. many lattes are you sipping right now? Uh, I've got I've got three open beers, uh, but they're all <laughs> Miller Lite, which are brewed in fucking Texas. You dipshit! You goddamn lib. <laughs> so I'm yeah, that's fucking that's, elitist. So that's an interesting thing that's happened in the year 2018 is that um, the the 2020 election cycle has gotten bumped back so much that you already have these internecine fights between the left. The like the eco left, the progressives, uh, the libertarians who sometimes would vote for a left wing candidate and sometimes wouldn't. Uh, and then pretty much everybody else is. I mean, never Trump isn't a thing anymore. Right. There's there's no there's no branch of conservatism that doesn't incorporate Donald Trump. Well, there is Mitt Romney. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and Ben Sass, I mean, to a degree, like, I, I'm not saying that it's an effective thing, that it's popular, but somehow it still is hanging on by a thread. It's it's weakened, but there's still a couple people out there, okay, but who's, uh, including who's my favorite anti-Trumper, Mark Sanford, the fucking hiking the Appalachian Trail affair <laughs> guy. He's like leading the anti-Trump train. Or Wait, whatever. he's not in office anymore, is he? Yes, yes, he. Well, actually, no, he's not because he was in office, <laughs> but then he lost when Trump endorsed his like opponent in the primary in the Republican primary. Um, but no, he was out there saying some shit like, you know, you know, if Trump's not careful with his rhetoric, it will lead to like a Hitler-like figure you know, becoming, you know, a popular politician in America. That's from Mark Sanford. Right. You know, Republican from South Carolina. <laughs> uh, it's so, yeah, it's nuts out there, man. Okay, but but none of that, none of that really makes any kind of an impact, right? Because I think everybody knows at this point that if if you're a Republican, then you are a Trump Republican. There, There's no, there's no challenge coming at Trump from, I don't even know what direction you would put them on, on a political scale. Uh, Brendan, Brendan can see me on video and you can't, but I'm like trying to like map it out in space in front of my head. And yeah, there's no, there's no direction that you can attack Trump from on the conservative side. The Trump, thing- Trump is like the third dimension of like American politics right, where yeah. he, t- he took it from like left, right. And then he just took it to like crazy or whatever, and he just <laughs> right. like went and like off on the Z what, axis. What what scale? What scale on the Z? Yeah, what is the Z scale? It's like it's like flatland. Yeah, it's like <laughs> um, you know, there's not words for it, but I mean, I guess it would it would be like it's it's almost like there's left and right, and then there's like um, 
like George W. Bush, H. W. Bush would be like on the other end from Trump, right? I Where guess, he's like an yeah. anti-charisma, yeah, you got like Paul Ryan, you know, type of situation or whatever. Yeah, Paul Ryan was a he well, was a weightlifter true. at least. He was he was <laughs> he, really handsome he thought in that of little himself hat. As like the the nerdy policy wonk or whatever, but we all know he was really more. But but the thing but the thing that I I brought this up for was uh, that in in 2018 we saw what the 2020 primary is going to look like, and it's going to be fucking ugly because already the like the centrist kind of neoliberal leaning. Um, Democrat, like the the Democratic machine, they're going to lean into candidates like Beto O'Rourke. They're going to look at Kamala Harris. And already, because the left, I don't know, got activated, probably partially because of Trump, are already looking at these candidates and going, eh, like, no, probably not. <laughs> You know, no, it's going to be rough. And especially like the thing that I'm not looking forward to the most is like all of the like leftist um, like purity test, you know, type of, of stuff where they're like, you know, oh, how could you support, you know, you know, Kamala Harris when, you know, in, you know, 20 years ago, she supported like a crime bill in California that wasn't very popular and like shit like that. And it's like, you know what, like. I, what's like no one's ever going to be good enough for you like what do you what do you want here like, i don't know man i i i have to disagree with you on that because i think that i think the distinction is that a bunch of people on the left have gotten so frustrated and so disgusted with the idea of this incrementalist compromise position thing that and especially when we're facing I mean, climate change, for instance, you know, if 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 everything were happening in a vacuum where climate change was not looming, your argument would still make sense. But climate change is looming. And we've been told you got like you got basically 10 years to fix this shit or literally everybody is going to die. And I can't fault the left for saying like, no, I'm not interested in a compromised position anymore i'm not interested in a candidate who is gonna you know that's that's the argument against beta o'rourke as president like motherfucker couldn't even beat ted cruz who's the most despicable person in the country uh, in texas he, though in texas it couldn't couldn't beat him in texas but he's not gonna win texas clearly and he needs to win these conservative states, right? Uh, but the reason that they're not into him isn't because, you know, it, it, everybody believes that Beto makes everybody's calves cramp when he fucks them. Okay. That's, <laughs> that, that is, that is established at this point. However, they don't believe that when he gets into office, if he gets into office as president, that he's going to actually do anything that's strong enough to help stave off these massive crises that we're facing right now. And I can't fault the left for that. I can't, I can't tell them you're wrong to not get excited about uh, a candidate who isn't going to do the things that you know needs to be done. Yeah. 
No, I hear that. That's that's a that's definitely a good argument. I mean, I guess to me, like, you know, I'm, if Beto was president, like, sure, like, whatever, like, you know, it's he's not going to be the greatest president ever. You know, I'm not going to be doing backflips about him. No, but like, he's, he's it seems he's, like it'll be fine. <laughs> you know, it's better than what we got going on now. He's basically white Obama, and I don't I don't disagree with that position of what you're talking about is like harm reduction. Um, which I, you know, that's, that's legit. You know, the idea that absolutely anybody who, uh, really supported, um, for instance, people of color or sexual and gender minorities or anything like that, like should have come out to vote for Hillary Clinton because at least it would have been less harmful than what Donald Trump is doing. However, once you're facing a, a, societal possibly uh like a universal existential crisis maybe that's insufficient you know and i i don't think that uh i don't think that the liberal pundits your your nira's tandon or your your horse's whisperer um are are leading people in a good direction uh when we're facing an actual existential crisis and they're saying like uh, this is purity testing. Right. Well, but at the same time, like, look, if Beto's not going to win Texas, then who is, right, on the Democrat side? Yeah. No, no one, right? Like, you still have to win that election, right? And sometimes in America, where our political system is so fucked up, you have to do stupid shit, like win over a bunch of freaking racist, ignorant people to vote for you. And... It's it's tough, you know what I mean? Like how how are you going to do that and also be a candidate that passes every purity test that the left can throw at him? I you know that's just it's a Bigfoot, you know. Yeah, it's, I, it's yeah, a unicorn. I don't, it's, I don't it's, know it how you exist. I don't know how you do it. However, I do think that people um, like left of Dick Cheney should just lie all the time um, because that actually does win elections. I think that people should yeah. just lie about what they're going to be able to accomplish once they're in office. Um, you can you can lie multiple directions. That's how I mean it's that's almost the definition of populism. Just lie all the time. Tell the people that you're going to give them what they want. Instead, yeah, no Democrat's going to do that though. Yeah, and that's and that <laughs> is what happened in 2016. And yeah. and for some reason But that's not that's not a sustainable like path either you know what i mean like that doesn't set you know you on a path to like correcting the issues that are imperiling the, the, the you know the health of the human race like yeah. that doesn't really help in the long run either i don't think okay I, I don't but know. it's it's nice to be able to get into the position of power and then do what you can and i think at this point the way that you get into the position of power is i mean obviously 2016 taught us the lesson that the way you get into a position of power is just bluster. Like just Yeah. Well, and there's there's a difference between like blatant lying and like um, you know, dogged optimism, right? You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't necessarily have to have all the details, right? I think that maybe is the thing, right? Hillary Clinton went out there and said, "Look, if I have the most detailed, you know, thought through, you know, plotted and planned out, you know, every eventuality mapped, you know, plan, 
then like totally people will look at that and say, okay, well, yes, this is, let's do this. And that failed spectacularly, right? Where people don't really like detailed in the weeds plans. They like ideas that make them feel good. You yeah, know? you bet. I mean, it's, it's the same reason that people aren't, I mean, even, even people who benefit from it aren't super into the ACA or Obamacare, you know, because it's it's so complex. There are 700 different, uh, like, forking things. It's like playing the most boring board game ever, except the stakes are whether or not your kids get their fucking insulin, you know? But, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a potential. See, for me, I, I try to stay, you know, again, maybe irrationally, but I try to stay on the optimist side, right, where... You know, when you look at a candidate like Beto, where you can attack him from the left and say, like, look, he won't even come out and support, you know, Medicare for all. Or, you know, he look, he is, uh, you know, pro, uh, you know, business or whatever. You know, he you know, he's he's uh, whatever that you could say stuff like that. But I also think that, you know, there's a potential that he can support things that are even more left than, you know, he could move that conversation if he wanted to, right? He could come out in support of like universal basic income and, you know, stuff like that. That's the type of stuff that I'm looking for, you know, from a democratic candidate, those kind of like ideas that are kind of like not talked about because they're seen as like too fringe but like we're in an environment where that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, you know no, I mean? you're 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 totally right on that. I think, and then we have to get down to the the particular characters that we're talking about, right? Because like Beto, he's from an uh, I think it's like Texas 16 or something, which is like wildly more like liberal than like the average of the country, right? So. In theory, he could have already done that. He could be that, like, the vanguard um, carrying the flag forward on some, like, seriously progressive policies. And he hasn't done that, like, even though he's in a safe district. And at a certain point, you got to go, like, maybe this is just actually this guy's politics. Right. But I, to me, the thing is, like, he's the kind of guy who could do that because he's seen as a, a centristy kind of guy. You know what I mean? Kind of like with Trump, like he's the guy that can get away with being like, let's stop all the wars where, you know, when Obama tried to do that, all the Republicans were like, you're crazy. You know, uh, we right. got to impeach you right away. Uh, but when Trump does it, they're like, oh, well, you know, he makes a good point, actually. Well, uh, these you know, wars I mean, aren't great. But that's you know, a problem, Trump's though. just crazy enough to get away with it. That's the problem with the Democratic Party, though, right? That that if if Obama had said, like, we're just going to pull all of our troops out of, say, Syria, you know. Um. Yeah, he would have gotten pushback from the right, like, "Oh, we're we're abandoning a a battlefield or something like that." But that's going to happen regardless. What Obama should have done was that, and then circled the wagons and gotten everybody on the the point of view of like, "Why are we wasting American lives? Like, this isn't our place to be," you know. Uh, which is exactly what Trump is doing right now, which is, I guess, why Mattis quit, because we pulled out of Syria. Um, and now Trump is getting credit 
from the same fucking like weird ass warmongering like George W. Bush supporters uh, who are going like, no, this this guy's doing like the smart thing. <laughs> right. Which, you know, it's funny because, you know, I'm on paper not opposed to, you know, ending the wars, but also like, you know, there's probably a way to do it that's not just like, well, do it because Trump said so. Like, <laughs> right. D- and do it by yesterday. Well, it, I mean, like, that seems the, like it's a real mess. The, the, I mean, it, it, from a from a truly like progressive leftist perspective, the way to end the wars is to go back in time and never have gotten involved in them in the per, in the first place. Um, but now the that we're there, is not quite there. Yeah, yeah. no. Now, now that we're there, I agree. I think there is a a way to like draw down. Um, fuck, uh, you know. I hate to give Aaron Sorkin credit, but that was basically the point of that movie, Charlie Wilson's War, right? Where he like he ramps up Cut and the run. yeah he he ramps up uh, the war in Afghanistan, uh, funding the Mujahideen, and then when he's like, okay, now we need to like build a bunch of schools and like build up their democracy, and the DoD is like, eh, we don't really have the money for that, right? Oh, and see. Beto's just the type of guy who could make that argument, you know. <laughs> Bernie's not going to be going out there with those deep cuts, you know. It's only Beto that can pull that one out. Right, yeah. No, no, it's it's true. No, he is he is the chosen one at this point. No, he's got that uh he's got that kind of Obama charm where he's like reasonably good looking but like aw shucks and um what's he do he like he used to play in a a punk band so he's like an authentic guy you know but no i mean i that's what i'm saying like i think as much as as much as the left hates on him i think he is actually a really good candidate for the stupidest reasons right (laughs) is that he appeals to idiot white guys who are like middle class white guys who are like political independents who are like, I don't really like the Democrats or the Republicans or whatever, but like, that guy seems like he's pretty cool, though, you know? Like, he's a centrist. He got, like, that's the type of stupid shit that, you know, the Democratic Party okay, will never I don't, be I'm, able to get off of. They're, they're, they're going to do it no matter what. I am not going to dismiss the importance of charisma in electoral politics. However, your candidate has to have some kind of policy position, and it's impossible to pin... Not true! <laughs> I'm saying for they should. I'm saying they should. I'm saying for any rational, especially leftist voter to vote for you, you have to be able to be pinned down to a particular policy position. And I don't think Beto is there. I think that that, that that's almost like in today's political environment, having a definitive policy position is a negative. Right, like well, you yeah. Don't I mean, that's that's definitely not how we for for anything, and that's a big problem for a lot of these people. Is that in these leftist purity tests, they'll say, "Well, look, Joe Biden, you know, voted for this shit or whatever in the '80s that sucked." It's like, well, f- of course he did. Like everybody did, you know. Only someone with no political experience or whatever, or with limited political experience, like Beto can go out there and be like, well, I didn't do that stupid shit. Like, I would have if I was if I was there, but I didn't because I wasn't. But but can't we can't we expect something better? Like, can't we? It <laughs> Jesus. I think that's the problem. I think that's the 
I mean, 2018 has laid the groundwork for, uh, I mean, Trump is absolutely going to win a second term because the left has fractionalized itself. Uh, the you get your your hashtag still with her liberals who will never vote for anybody who isn't Hillary Clinton or somebody who is approved by her camp. Um, you've got some sort of uh, like anarcho liberals who are like, you know what? Or, sorry, an- anarcho leftists who are like, you know what, if none of these candidates actually help anything, I'm just going to vote green again. And this time I'm going to do it on purpose because I know it's going to piss you off that I did that. (laughs) Um, And then you've got a bunch of like leftists who still believe in electoralism who are already vetting Democratic candidates. And that war that's already raging between those you know, the the first and third camp, that's just going to get worse over the next two years. Oh, for sure. And I mean, it, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be a real mess. But I also think, you know, I, I'm hopeful that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> Well, here's where I'll go. I'll, you know, I'm hopeful that whoever comes out of the end of that mess, they're still going to be better than Trump. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think most people, you, you're not going to get the perfect candidate, right? And and to me, I want to try to stay on the constructive side because there's I don't see the point in just, you know, doing that and just saying like, well, both sides suck, so... I'm just going to, you know, vote for Jill Stein again or whatever. like the that's not that's yeah. not constructive. Well, you know, and, and there's you, a lot of things that you could do to actually improve the the process. Right. And and, and that's you that's not one and, of them. And you have never been an accelerationist and I I don't think that I am either really because uh, you and I both understand that actively making the system worse is going to like the burdens of that fall on the people that we most want to like try to lift up the people that we, we hope that we're representing fairly. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a bind that you're in, you know, do you, do you go along with what you think is most likely to happen or do you, do you try to be idealistic understanding that, you know, maybe if your ideals don't work out, like things are actually going to get worse for other people. I'm just biding my time for, you know, you're starting the 2020 electoral. I'm going like 2024, 2028, Ocasio-Cortez. I'm yeah, sticking, okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, do you... Do you this so, is just a, a stepping stone on the path. So twenty, Brennan, Brennan's called the shot in uh, in late twenty eighteen. That I'm not even sure when she's like eligible. Be, she's like, she has she, to be like forty five or something. It's, yeah, it's, it's thirty five, but what? How old is she? She's like twenty eight, I think. Um. So yeah, it's probably twenty twenty eight. Uh, twenty twenty six. The the twenty twenty six election. No wait. No, 2028. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 2028. Yeah, yeah. 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 
I'm beginning the t-shirts printed now. Uh, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Let's uh, let's. I don't know. There's there's there has to have been a high note in this year. In the, in this year, <laughs> we got a whole year. Let's find one. No more champagne and the fireworks are through. I think there were lots of good things that happened this year. Probably. Yeah, you wouldn't know it. You know, sometimes you gotta dig for them a little bit, which is why I love to go to my favorite website, <laughs> Uplifting News. Uplifting News on Reddit, yes. Uh, what's the top uplifting news of the year? Keanu Reeves gives money <laughs> to children's hospitals. I mean, good on him. That's That's nice, but... Really, all rich people should be giving away all of their wealth all of the time. So, yeah, it's not the, not the <laughs> most. This is actually this was a a good one that I saw recently where this uh, high school student like has picked up like so much trash. Like she picks up trash every day when she like walks to school. Um. And she was like, people bullied me, but I was like, screw you. I'm just going to own my new identity as Trash Girl. And I will never stop picking up trash. Hell yeah. Good for her. That girl's baller. Um, But my real high note is one thing that is positive in politics is that everybody loves weed now. Uh, yeah, yeah, what, like, John Boehner is now working for some, like, big weed, uh, consortium or something? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and, uh, he, uh, you know, he, he flipped the script there, and, uh, they passed marijuana legalization in Utah, Oklahoma, and Missouri. Yeah. Not not marijuana legalization. It was uh like decrim or medical in most of the places, right? Hey, those are forms of legalization. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I true. mean, it's not full recreational, which did pass in like uh, Michigan, which again is like another kind of midwestern state. Um, in addition to this one country that I keep hearing about, it's called like Canada or something. I don't know where it is, but. I guess they legalized it too. Huh. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I heard about that. Um that's someplace up north, 
where I don't think we've ever had a we don't we don't have a Michigan correspondent, do we? Maybe that's <laughs> Maybe that's Lee. a 2019 thing no, he, that we need to do. She's in uh, uh Yeah, no, Lee. Lee's in uh, Minnesota. No, I get those all those. Well, it's, it's, they're they're in. Um, I don't know the Twin Cities somewhere. It's all marijuana states to it, me. It's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, 2019 is the year Trump's going to legalize weed. And you know what? Thanks, Trump. You're the only guy that could pull it off. Because you know, if Obama yeah, tried to do that shit, that's, it wouldn't have worked. That's what's fucking fascinating about him, right? That he's doing... Okay, so there are some populist positions that you could take that are... They're, they're incredibly popular among pretty much everybody in America, and it doesn't matter what party you belong to, if you were to promote this, it would be a winning thing. And Trump has glommed onto a couple of them. One of them is ending some of these wars in the Middle East. The other one is, I don't give a shit about weed. Both of those are overwhelmingly popular policy uh, positions to take. And it's so distressing, depressing to see like the Democratic Party establishment having to go like Trump's in favor of uh like criminal justice reform. We've got to be against that now. You know? Was that, <laughs> yeah. that there's that there that that classic tweet that's like, you know, in in twenty seventeen the Democrats are gonna have to look themselves in the mirror and go, we're just gonna have to get a little bit more racist. <laughs> they love the war in Syria now. Yeah, They're like I, I was promised wars forever. Oh, we're we're that's one, what the Democratic Party has always stood for. The Democratic Party absolutely fucking loves Saudi Arabia at this point. Uh, we we've we've gone off our high note a little bit here. Well, no, I don't I don't think so. Get us I, back I think, on track. No, I I think I think this is I think this is pretty good. I think that I think the high note to draw from that is that. Uh, 2018 gave us the opportunity to, um, for not not just us, but a lot of people, to figure out whether or not they engage with politics on a level of principle or on a level of just team sports, like you're kind of a cosplayer like political person. I think Man, that if, if 2018, that's the two uh, opposite sides. Uh, that's going to be a tough road. <laughs> well, I, but I, I think that 2018 did make a lot of people go from one camp to the other. Like, it used to be team sports, and now it's like, now I have to pay attention to the politics. And I have to actually pay attention to, like, who's our, I don't know, fucking education secretary or right now deputy secretary of defense or whatever you know like we have to know these names which that's that's gotta be good for for a governance right um more more people uh in involving themselves deciding that i can i can support this person because they've made some unsavory votes in the past but right now they're they're supporting the policies i want or i can't support this person who's being floated 
for for office because they've made a bunch of unsavory votes and I they haven't like changed their position, right? Uh, political wokeness might be a thing that's happening. Yeah, well, I think, you know, what I take away from it is, like, maybe the Democrats will finally get the message that Trump has has proved out, which is that, look, people aren't as entrenched in their political opinions as it might seem, right? Yeah. If you If you look at polls, so many polls have just completely 180'd on, like, you know, what Republicans think, you know, now that Trump has started saying different things. It really doesn't take that much to get out there and just start saying, like, hey, you know what, like, we all thought this, but that was really stupid, and how about this instead? Like, it's not actually that hard to do it, but for so long, politicians were like, well, that's crazy, you know, why would you even bother, you know, trying to do something different than what the conventional wisdom is? Um so hopefully the Democrats finally learn that lesson. Well, I think yeah, I think that's totally right, and that's uh, that's the benefit of having a bunch of activated leftists. A bunch of, I mean, people have gotten radicalized over the past two years, and 2018 was the year when they started to talk about it. They they started to talk, they started to organize, started to form groups. You know, uh, which isn't exactly the same thing as talking about like. There's some conspiracy, uh, like, coordinated attack against Beto O'Rourke or whatever. It's just like, no, more people are paying attention more to politics, and they're looking at his policy record and going like, nah, we could probably do better. That's what the Russians say. <laughs> right. But yeah, I'm exactly. not falling for it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think my, my Russian accent was coming through there a little bit. <laughs> Well, for, for, for 2018, uh, I, I wanted to uh, – I'm going to be a little bit cheesy for the show, but um, we had just the delightful privilege in 2018 to have on a whole bunch of people on our show who kind of agree with us. Oh, you're welcome, us. Matt. It's, it's no problem. Yeah, Don't no, worry about it. Brendan, you're, <laughs> you're fantastic. That's that's all I wanted to say, which is uh, – uh, yeah, I could tell audience, where it was going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had I mean we we had uh Horny Ron on to talk about uh deaths in children's films. We had Connor Golden on to talk a couple of times. What what did we talk about with him was uh the Super Mario Brothers movie and God, uh, was that this year? It seems like it was Yeah, so long right. Ago. Yeah, no. Oh yeah, uh like who's the worst Midwestern politician ever? God, oh, that was great. Yeah. Um, Good times. Yeah, we had uh we had Phoenix Kalita uh come on to talk to us about the the issues of race and progressivism. Um John Levitt came on a couple of times. John has also been just an amazing comrade to us, just retweeting every single episode that we ever release, even if you and I don't walk away from it. Super proud. Um, the lit crit guy came on two times to, to talk about stuff. Uh, A cavalcade of riches. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, our, our, uh, senior Chicago correspondent came on a couple of times with us. Um, including to, to, to win, a game that we played, you know, live uh, during oh, during Halloween. 
that was that was a blast. That was definitely a highlight of this year. That was a ton of fun, right? To do that haunted house game, yeah. Um, and in the Halloween episode series, we also had the incredible Max Sparber. Max Sparber, that was a, a fantastic episode as well. Great. Can't wait to have him back on the show. And he he read like an original story for us. That's yeah, yeah. That was cool. Who gets that? Who gets that as a as a podcast author? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, yeah, we had we had multiple friends create original music for us. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Plus, I heard you launched a podcast called The Breadline. This I did. Year. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, definitely a, a high note for this year was I launched a uh, another project, which is. Mm-hmm. You know, a more like in depth sort of like issues based podcast uh, about food issues and socialism, and it's going really well. So yeah, and you can only get this content on your liquid flannel station, which is why it's so important to pledge now. At <laughs> Brendan, oh, Brendan, what what gifts do we have for uh, for people who pledge right now. Oh man, what should we do? We should do like uh like berets. Um, <laughs> maybe like a pint glass. I know yeah, I know I know leftists are super into um like pins, you know, like enameled. I do love like I do pins. love pins. Yeah. I won't I won't lie. Everybody Every time loves I go pins. to Colorado, I I try to find Yeah, new ones. sure. It's like uh it's like the real life version of collecting Pokémon or something. <laughs> They're so shiny. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe maybe uh, next year will be the year that we finally take your money. I mean, at, at, at a certain point, after we've had on so many, like, big-name guests, it seems like we ought to monetize this at some yeah. point. <laughs> I mean, I won't lie. It does cost, like, hundreds of dollars like, to do, not even including, like, time and labor. Yeah, but- I actually... Uh, yeah, one of my high notes for this year is Brendan floated me my half of the hosting costs for this show. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a it's a good problem to have. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 been it's been a fun year. Um, oh, I wouldn't say it was a fun has year. Made it- has made it has made it bearable. You know, it's the only <laughs> thing that makes the politics bearable. Right, is yeah. that. You could get on, and you can you could discuss how ridiculous they yeah, are. Yeah, the the year itself has not necessarily been fun, but certainly this podcast has been fun throughout the year. Yeah, I encourage you know everybody who reads the news and gets gets confused and uh, upset to just podcast about it because you know why not? Not enough podcasts out there. There are not enough podcasts. Uh, it's been delightful. Um, I I guess. I guess we're going to just call that Happy New Year for you all. Yeah, now we have to start writing nines. I don't really like to write the number nine very much. Huh. I'm not ready. How do you make your nine? Do you do the the loop from the bottom and around, or you start at the top and do the, like, making a backward Q? Or, sorry, backward Yeah, I think I kind of Q it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe this is your year to figure out how to write your nines different. Yeah, I easier. mean, who writes, like, physically writes anymore? Right? I mean, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> it's really not going to be that much of an issue. <laughs> All right, well, uh, without... Um,
um, committing anyone to anybody to sorry without committing anyone to anything here we have a whole bunch of people who are gonna be coming on in 2019 to talk about things that, that you also like uh, I'm I'm grateful to the liquid flannel listenership uh, for for sticking with us it's been it's been a really fun year talking to you. Yeah, it's been fun, and I hopefully, uh, you know, we can continue the upward uh, trajectory. Uh, it seems every year we just get cooler and cooler guests, and I guess, you know, people listen, which is crazy. But oh, they they keep, don't keep on keep it on. They don't. It's like the it's like the secret underground, uh, like lefty podcast. That, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we're still legit. We haven't sold out yet. We're the only ones. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you can listen to us. You you can you can make sure that you have the secret password if you follow us at liquid underscore flannel on Twitter and get the podcast. I don't know wherever you're listening to it right now. I'm Matthew Hodges. I'm on Twitter at Matthew Wait, and my co-host is Brendan Williams. And I'm on Twitter at Brendan Williams with one L. Twenty nineteen. Out. Hashtag twenty nineteen out. No in. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, no, I'm 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 over it already. Yeah. No, I also am. Uh, I'm tired of it. Let's move on. Twenty twenty. Let's bring out the twenty twenty. You know, that's a cooler year. Hashtag, that's definitely a cooler sounding. Hashtag twenty twenty four.